Hi, guys. This is episode 107. We're interviewing Donna Renberg, who is the deputy county manager of Osceola County. I like Donna. She's a, just a really enjoyable person to just visit with. And what you'll see here is she has almost a complete inversion of how she takes her job. She's not holding on tight to her position. What she's been doing her career is teaching others what she does. She believes and lives the value of good mentoring. And what's happened in her job is she's created people that she says, when I leave, it'll be the hardest, easiest decision Hopefully it'll be hard because they'll miss me, but easy because I will have trained people under me to take my job. What's the result? 15 years with the same organization. For those of you who have seen the movement, wonder what it takes to kind of settle into a position, Donna is the exact person you want to listen to. Stay with us. Greetings, I'm Steve Van Core, and this is the FCC Me Podcast a service produced by and for the Florida City and County Management Association. I'm your host, and each episode we interview a city or a county leader who's in a position to share interesting and useful insights into the operations of local government here in the Sunshine State. Now, if you have someone you would like to nominate for the show, you can message FCCMA on Facebook, or you can send me an email at svancore at vancorejones.com. Let's get into it. We have Donna Renberg. Donna is the uh, assistant or deputy county manager for Osceola County, home of Kissimmee. Yes. (laughs) And some other little corporation that has a mouse, whatever. Uh, Yeah. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This is a true honor. Well, I, I, I'm really intrigued by our conversation because let me, let me set the stage. We talk a lot and, and have been uh, visiting with different experts in the area of transition, right? Personal transition, career transition, the fact that the FCCMA has an entire program with senior counselors and folks called Managers in Transition, and it's designed to help people, city, county administrators who are displaced because it is a um, reality of the business that a new school board, a new uh, county commission comes in, a new city commission comes in, a new mayor comes in, and they want their own people. It's understandable you haven't done anything wrong, but we have this infrastructure set up to manage that, uh, to help provide counseling, help provide references, help provide networking, and it it seems to be working really well. Um, But Donna, you come at it almost from a different approach. It's almost a very proactive approach because what I have found in talking to folks who've been displaced, they were like, oh, I was well, I was familiar with MIT. I knew that was the thing, but I didn't think it would happen to me. But you almost have the exact opposite attitude. Tell me a little bit about your attitude about uh, about your job. You know, I, I think generally, um, you know, all of us have a little bit in the back of our mind and we know it's a possibility, but, you know, you, you it's, it's back there, right? It, right? It's not right in front of our face until sometimes it is. Um, I think one of the things is, you know, I, I've had a, a number of different turns and, and changes in my career that's probably made me a little more um, open to the fact that uh, doors could open that you hadn't expected. And, you know, sometimes you take a chance, right? And you, and you, you walk through that door and it leads to something else. So 
Um, I think that maybe that, you know, versus having, you know, someone that's like, hey, I've been in government for all 30 years of my career. I, I can't say that. I've, I've worked in different industries and different for-profit, nonprofit, that type of thing. And I think that that's probably made me a little more flexible, maybe, to some of those realities of things can change. But I kind of look at it from the standpoint of anything can happen on any given day, right? And it is my responsibility to have hopefully ensured that I found my replacement. Um, I, I hope that when that happens, um, it is the hardest easy decision for my upline to make because hopefully I've prepared any of my direct reports or people that I've worked with that want to move up because not everybody does, right? Um, but that want to move up, that they're in a good position to be considered for... for um, so you're saying make it difficult because there might be three people under your tutelage, right. any one of whom could take your job. So it's an easy decision because they've got people right there in front of them that are ready and a hard decision because hopefully it's more than one. You know, it's interesting because it sounds to me like what you're saying is you're subrogating your own personal needs for the needs of the organization. Um, and that might be part of your secret to success, which, you know, 15 years is not a short period of time. And your entire your lead team has all been there together about the same, about a, about 12. Um, I, and I, I like the fact that, you know, kind of this kind of Zen inversion, right? You're saying, I'm not, I'm not going to be protective of me. I'm going to be protective of the organization and make sure that when I leave, there's not one, not two, but probably three people who could step in at any time. And I wonder if that's what's created this environment of, wow, Donna Remberg's really special. We don't want to lose her. I mean, cause I got to believe you've been through changes of administration. So that's part of the, the, what I've been blessed for um, this county is, you know, our county manager is Don Fisher. Our uh, chief operating officer is Beth Knight. And honestly, the five of us, maybe our titles have changed, but we've all been together for the 15 years I've been here. And that is pretty incredible. Um, and a team since, you know, 2012 in kind of our current role. And I hope that I have... Um, have done that. And I think that part of maybe what has helped is, listen, I'm human. I have angst. I, I worry about things. You know, I'm no different than anybody else. I have areas to grow. I have things to work on. But I hope that it has been, um, I recognize that my job here is to support the two of them. And if they are successful, if I help them uh, with their initiatives and their success, then that means they're helping the board of county commissioners and 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 in their success. And so if I keep that focus on, on them and what they see as our vision and help participate in that process, then I can help pull and and mentor those that are underneath me to see that same uh, that same attitude. You know, I, I one time I had a conversation with an employee who said, you know, that they they try to do all these things for their employees, and I said, you know, but flip how you're thinking of that because would you be able to do these team building things and these things for your employees if you weren't working in an environment where that was encouraged? And that comes from top down. So if yeah. you if you, if you think of it that way, instead of putting it focused on, well, I do these things for my employees. Think of the fact that you're you're able to do them because you work for individuals that want you to develop and grow and, and recognize and support your team. So I think if we try to keep that focus, uh -huh. that helps us um, keep the right balance in how we see ourselves. 
Now, when I said administration, you went to internal. I, what I meant and it was you've had a changing, certainly, of the commission itself. Oh, yes. <laughs> so how does, how does I mean, that longevity has stayed through that. What are some pointers and thoughts you have about, okay, you have a transition in leadership. What do you do? So I think I, I would give credit to Don Fisher, um, our county manager, because his attitude and, and, you know, Chrissy believes very firmly in ICMA's code of ethics. And it is we serve whoever's sitting in the seat. And, you know, there's been some that have been easy transitions, as you can expect. There's some that haven't been as easy um, differences in political affiliations, all of that. But I think that if you, you know, continue to just be steady in the way that you treat all of them equally, um, if you brief, you know, even if you know one isn't going to like the idea, you still brief all, you know, all five. You don't you don't try to um, couch how you provide the information. You just pr- provide them the facts and you make sure that they know we're here to serve all five. And um, more times than not, that helps you uh, help you get through. Um, you know, we live in a weird time of social media uh, where, you know, it's easy to be to be criticized for everything. Um, and I think that the other thing that he always says is you just make the right decision. And, you know, whether it's elected officials or whether it's the general public, if you make the right decision, then you can, you know, you can stand behind that even when the criticism comes or those types of things, you know, and as you were talking, started off talking, if the ultimate did happen and and you were, you know, relieved of your duties, you still have that. Right. But I did the right thing. Yeah. And, you know, one of the parts of it, and I see this more with electeds, they become the position. And then if they lose um, or become termed out, they become empty shells of themselves. And I like your attitude, which is, you know, service first, uh, and it also and, and it, it seems like a very selfless uh, attitude, which is you complimented upstream, which you call upline. I've never heard that expression before, so I love it. Uh, you compliment and you've been very supportive of the people above you. But you wrote down one of your most important roles is mentoring the next round of leadership. What you know, we talk one of the things I try to do on this show is pinpoint some of these things down to actionable items. So here's what I'm going to ask you. Mentorship is a big deal to you. Yes. Tell me what that means. What does that mean day to day? What do you do differently than somebody that mentorship isn't a big deal? And not that they, if somebody said mentorship isn't a big deal to them, doesn't make them a bad person. Accountability may be a big deal to them and personal integrity may be a big, external communications may be, but mentorship was the thing you picked. Tell me what that looks like on a day to day basis. So I have, you know, I I have a number of individuals that um, I still uh, meet with on a monthly basis, um, and we talk through. Uh, it can be anything that they want to discuss. It could be something that I've heard uh, that they might be struggling with, and and I try to provide them the path to the safe space, right, to come in and talk about whatever. Um, I think that. Anyone that I've ever, uh, you know, spent spent time, been fortunate enough to spend time with, they know that I'm I am I'm pretty direct, and um, but they also know I care about them and I care about their growth, and so I've been able to have some really you know tough conversations with people and challenge them in in the maybe the way that they're thinking of something or um, the opportunity for growth that they may not be seeing in that moment. Uh, that I think has helped them in the long run. Um, And they know at the end of the day that I am telling them the feedback or providing the feedback from a place of of caring 
it, you know, it's the higher up you go, the bigger the target you are. And, um, you know, that, that can be tough. And I think that I, you know, I tell people all the time, supervision and management is not for the weak. Uh, you will, you know, have a lot of, uh, things said about you. You will have everything questioned about you and, and how you, you operate and, whether it's your own staff, whether it's social media that I mentioned earlier, whether it's whatever. So you just have to, um, everybody needs someone <laughs> that they can go to and yeah. talk through those things. Um, I think so that means carving out time from your day, being, good, being a good listener. Trying and, to be aware of, 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 you know, as a deputy county manager, it may not be an area of my direct report, but I'll hear um, maybe something that's going on or, um, you know, I'll, I'll see an interaction and I have the ability to then follow back up with them and say, hey, you know, I watched, you, you know, the, this meeting and I just wanted to provide you some feedback on maybe a way that you could have handled it differently or, um, you know. Wait, talk wait, so you're, you're assertively going out there doing it. Yeah, I do sometimes. It depends on who the person is. I I have some that I'm very, very close to that I've worked with for a long time. And um, they will call me and say, hey, I've got to do this. Can I bounce off the ideas of how you think? Or I can. they can tell me what happened. And I'm like, so I'm going to stop you right there because this is probably where it went off the rails. And we can talk through uh, maybe some other suggestions as to how to have handled that situation. Um, others are more passive where they just want to kind of come and meet and and just kind of, you know, bounce some ideas off or, or kind of just share like what's going on in their department or the areas that they report with. Some of the other things is we try to have. Um, and I, I realized recently I haven't had one. I haven't scheduled one for a long time, but I used to do a breakfast uh, with with all of the female administrators. And I would just schedule a breakfast at a place and we'd all meet early and just kind of talk and and get to know each other and I was I was talking with our chief operating officer when I realized I haven't done it for a while and I said you know I want to kick this off again but I want to include the next wave down for lack of a better term so not just the administrators but any of our assistant directors or deputies because they're going to be the ones that are going to step in and 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 run this place hopefully when we're all moved on and I want them to start building those relationships so they know I have a budget question. Well, I can contact this person. I have a procurement question. I can contact this person. They can start building those relationships outside of their department focus, mm -hmm. because as you, you know, like I said, it, it, you have to start thinking broader, right? It's not, it's not just your department that you have to worry about anymore. It's the county. It's the, how, if, if my department does this, what does that mean for the county? If we ask for this in financing, or funding or whatever, what does that mean for other requests that might get bumped down? Those types of things, really trying to help them think that through as they move up. Okay. Um, so I want to try to include that other, you know, the, the, that other level in the conversation so they can start getting to know each other and building those do you, relationships. Do you, do you push responsibility downstream too to say, okay, look, this is something normally I would handle, maybe a presentation to the board of county commissioners, but Joe, I want you to do this part of your personal growth. Part of, let's work through this and I'm going to have you do the presentation. I, I find that, you know, delegation sounds great on paper, but I find that I'm, you know, I want things done here my way. And it's hard to realize that your employees don't do it your way. They'll do, they'll meet the standards. I'll meet the, but they can do a really good job. It's not, and your way isn't better or worse. It's just different. What's, do you have, do you find struggling with some of that uh, delegation? Of course. You know, I think we're all at the end of the day, right? We, it is, we're responsible. 
So it is, it is that it feels like it, it's the loss of control, right? I, if I can, you know, if, if I'm doing it myself and it doesn't, it doesn't go well, well, then it's on me if I, you know, so yeah, it's all of that. You feel that. I think one of the other things too, is that a number of years ago, we started um, just kind of an informal training process with any manager or supervisor that, that reported to me at the time. And one of the key things we did was I put it on them to to pick the topics they wanted to work on, but also to do the presentations. Or so if oh. it was doing the research on it, um, if it was an interactive coming up with whatever the you know whatever the exercise was, you know what they, they really are the the keepers of the of the process for that meeting. But it was twofold. Um, public speaking freaks a lot of people out. Yeah, right? I was gonna I, I was gonna go there. How do you nurture people into being a public speaker? Because at the end of the day. If you want to be a county administrator, you want to be a city manager, you got to talk to the public. Yep. So <laughs> In a lot of different ways. A lot of them a safe space to practice their presentation skills. Um, and we would actually give them feedback afterwards. One of the things we routinely do in that group is actually go into the chambers and practice there in the chambers because it's a whole nother level it's it's one thing when you're standing in a room in a conference room and you're having a conversation you know feeling with with your peers but it is something else to be in the chambers the cameras are rolling the you know the lights are on the that you've got these faces staring at you from you know from the from the dais and they're all looking at and you and all you can say is uh exactly <laughs> and, and you know and you know everybody behind you is watching you and you know and it's like oh i hope you know <laughs> i gotta tell you i i have given well over a hundred two hundred speeches and I, I i don't have any nerves i'm practiced you know i've been doing it I was asked to give a commencement address in the House of Representatives from the speaker's lectern. And you're right, man. I got up there and my first three, four words were, oh, you're right. Because the, the environment sometimes like, oh, wait a second. This is, and I got all these families staring at me, all these kids staring at me. I'm like, oh, uh, you know, several of my students, are, you know, you, you get you get nervous. So that's that's a pretty smart way to do it, to have them. Let's go in there and you practice it in there to kind of take out some of the uh, variables things were like we we one time we we pulled some actual agenda items and acted like okay this item just got pulled go um just to kind of put them in that spot of you don't always get to prepare you know maybe you know something about your item but you weren't expecting it to get pulled and to have this random question asked at you so yeah. it's kind of trying to keep them you know in that it it's not always scripted right it is it is live from that perspective and also um, I think one of my pet peeves is when people get too familiar. Uh, it's there's a respect that you know that this is the gov the, the business of the county. This is the business of the government, and you know they're commissioners. They're not, you know, Joe. Um, and and I think that it's you know it's it's kind of, so one of the things we even this sounds kind of silly probably, but we kind of practice like if your item gets pulled go ahead and move down front and be prepared so that way you're not, you know, traipsing through the room trying to get up to the to the podium and then you're kind of <laughs> out of breath and you know just those things of like give yourself that time to be ready, be, you know, be professional when you're up there so you don't um start hyperventilating or, you know, do the uhs, um, those types of things. Just practicing in that moment so that hopefully when it happens and they all want to move up, they're ready for it. So is how's it working? I mean, are you watching people blossom and fly away, watching them blossom and, and move to another department and to, to uh, 
you know, cause sometimes we, we have this stuff and we talk about it, but are you, have you, you have some good examples of people who you nurtured and then took a job at in Orlando or Orange County or uh, a city, uh, city of Kissimmee. Have you had any, any kind of watch these people flower and grow? Um, you know, absolutely. It's, it's, I think I said it in one of my responses is, you know, it's just a small part of being able to observe and watch their development. Uh, it is all them <laughs> doing it all. Um, and it's their commitment to, to the work. Uh, uh, one, one individual is now, um, you know, in, in the city of San Diego um, that I still, you know, communicate with actually our assistant county manager. Um, I am, you know, incredibly proud to say she was my first hire uh, when I came to the county. So watching her, you know, commitment to her growth has been super exciting. Um, you know, I, I, there's been a number, you know, they're directors now. Um, but I hate to, you know, talk about that because I, I don't, I don't want it to sound like I'm taking credit for their, uh, for what they've done. It, it's, it is all them. It, it's, um, <laughs> you know, you know uh, one, of, one of my things about I, I call it the city manager, this, the, the, one of the genetic requirements to be a good city manager is you have to be willing to do great things, to do ser- selfless service things, but also you don't want the credit for it. And then you just did it, Donna. You, you, you nurtured these people, you helped grow them. And you're like, no, it was all them. It was all them. <laughs> well, I will take credit for this. I think that I have hopefully not every time, but in general, I try to hire people smarter than me. So that makes it a lot easier <laughs> if you do that. Um, you know, we all don't bat 100%, you know, when it comes to hiring. But I would say that, you know, I, I generally, you know, there's people that work for me that are a heck of a lot smarter than me. And that makes it a lot easier for sure. I, I, and I love your attitude. I'm training my next replacement. That's really cool stuff. Um, and, you know, I love the inversion that the more you say, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be here forever. I'm going to put service first. I'm going to put the county first. I'm going to put my team's needs first, that you're more likely to stay and be there and and probably have a higher degree of contentedness in your job. I mean, you seem genuinely happy in your job. I am. You know, I don't think that there's anybody that could say that every day they love every day you know, because everybody has as times and moments and things are happening. Um, but, you know, I wouldn't still be here if I didn't enjoy um, what I do, the people I work with, um, the county, uh, you know, it's, it's been a fantastic um, uh, growth opportunity for me, I've been provided a lot of opportunity since I've been here to work on different projects to move up in the organizations to have different departments moved underneath me. And um, it, it has always been a a challenge, which I think is great. And um, it's, it's never been dull for sure. Uh, But I really do enjoy what I do. But I also am very settled in this is what I do for a living. This is my job. It's not my life. Um, and this is that's probably the other thing I really try to instill in those that are interested in moving up is you can't be of value to where you work if you aren't giving yourself time and and making sure that you have a good balance outside of the work. Um, and I think that that is oftentimes hard for people in general. Yeah. I think harder for women, especially when they have, you know, families and they're expected to figure out how to be this perfect balance. Um, and I think that sometimes, it, you know, a lot of guilt, right? You yeah. feel guilty 
if you take time for yourself, you feel guilty if you take time off and, um, you know, and, and, but I think it is important to know that this doesn't last forever. What do you have for yourself afterwards? What are you building? You know, just like you're building your career, what are you building for yourself for your life after this is, this is done? No, I've been in situations like that where, you know, putting in 60, 70 plus hours a week, and then you come home and you feel like a stranger in a strange land. You're like, oh, what, what do I do in my off time? I don't really, I'll, I'll go sleep. I'll have a beer, sit on the back porch, but I really don't have. And when you find yourself in that situation, and I remember reading that you're not as good of a worker. You're If you're spending 12 hours a day, uh, you're probably only productive for 10, you know? Uh, and so it's better to just go for 10 and then have go for a walk, go in the woods, go for a bike ride, go to the gym, whatever that is to, to rebuild your energy for work. But I mean, you brought up a really good point there. If you're not balanced, you're not really that good at work. You're not, and you're not good to your family. You're not good to yourself. Um, and I think that, you know, I, I had a conversation, a tough conversation with, with um, someone one time where they were, you know, it was really what was happening in the workplace was like sitting with them and they were having a really hard time with separating it. And I've, I've been there too, right? You go home, you, you wake up in the middle of the night and you're thinking of it and all that. And it's, it takes you a little time to, you have to work through that because at the end of the day, um, this should be important to you. This should add value to your life. You hope you're adding value to the organization you work with, but at the end of the day, this can't supersede your relationship with your family and your friends and the other parts of your life that should feed your soul. And if it is to the point that it is really over a long period of time, not just, you know, because a certain situation is happening. Right, you're building a new road or yeah, is, is getting ready is, for a big project. Yeah. So whatever, like, you know, whatever it is, not, not situational, but it, over a long period of time, really eroding that time you have for yourself, for your family, then I think it's time to really reevaluate what you're doing in that role and whether or not it's it's something, you know, either you need to shift how you feel about it and how you internalize it and work through it and your attitude, right? Because I think that's really true. Half of half of how we see something is how we want to see it. And if you if you work on shifting that so that you can put it in its proper perspective, mm -hmm. um, then then you can survive. Otherwise, I think you'll get eaten up and 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 spit out, right? It, well, and then if you find yourself in managers in transition, you don't have a family, you don't have a support system because part of that in, involves. Now, I have a friend who will not be named. He he recently lost his job through no fault of his own. The uh, His boss um, moved on to another another job and his replacement came in. He was number two and uh, boom, you're out. And uh, they cleaned house at that upper middle strata. And he, right. he was so dedicated to his county, a really good guy, hard worker, very smart, but didn't take time to build a personal life, didn't take time to build networks, build friendships, build outside relationships. And he found himself really behind the curveball on that. And he was one of those, boom. In fact, I suggested he gets into managers in transition. And he's like, I don't even know anything about that. I wasn't active with FCC. You should have been, you know? And so that speaks to why you should belong to a group like FCCMA. You should go to conferences because you, you want to, hey, learn. Right. Yeah. But you want to build relationships and you want to build a, a more wholesome, uh, a well-rounded self. Uh, Donna, I want to shift gears with you completely. 
I want to talk about something that I, I find intriguing and interesting. So we went from kind of the soft side of the business, right? The mentoring, the tutoring, the giving people a safe space and the time, right? Because sometimes we're really busy. We don't have the time to listen, uh, to nurture and, and mentor people. Because as you know, I think you alluded to, sometimes it's just listening, right? Letting yeah. them know they have a place they can go and, and figure it out on their own and so they can grow on their own. Uh, and I also like the the practice sessions at, in the chamber. That's This is episode, I think, number 106 or 107, and nobody's ever told us they do that. It yeah. uh, doesn't mean they don't, but that's that's a really cool idea. But uh, you have a toll facility that I guess is owned and run by the county. Yes. Uh, just for clear, a road, a toll road. Uh, and actually, it's a it's a it's a it's a road that has a portion of it that's told, which makes it even more unusual. Oh, explain. So it runs uh, through uh, it's an east west road that runs um partially through our county it's not the full full length of the county um and it is literally just a portion of it that is actually tolled so you could drive on the road up until that time and not be paying tolls until you hit the component that is tolled can i get out and go around it there's a, there's there's alternatives for sure you can go 192 to the south <laughs> You could go 417 to the north, but you're also going to play pay tolls up there. Um, you can't like do a little, you know, it's none of those are easy, um, but it is, uh, you know, it is just a component of it that is actually told. So I was I was, you know, very much opposed to toll roads when they first started, because, you know, we have the gas tax and we have other means of paying for it. And I don't like the, you know, the, the disparity of, you know, poor people that aren't you know, have to have to pay. But now as we move towards electric vehicles, uh, higher uh, fuel efficient vehicles, the gas tax, which governments are reluctant to raise anyway, have you, you have to have an alternative funding mechanism. And so tell me a little bit about how you're using that the revenue to improve transportation in Osceola County. So in addition to obviously paying for its own maintenance and um, its, its own financing, we actually refinanced the, uh, the toll component. It actually started by having um, outside entities pursue, uh, for lack of a better word, buying it. So um, you've heard what of- by, What do you mean by that? So, uh, you know, I think in, you know, there's other areas of the county or country where um, private entities have- uh, purchased the toll facility and they manage it and they get the revenue from it. Um, and so we were pursued by a couple of entities and that got us think, well, you know what, I, there might be more money in this facility than what we're giving it credit to, because again, for us, it's this little, little piece, right? And a little, how many miles are we talking? Uh, I think the toll, oh gosh, you're going to pull it out of my memory. I think the toll component, I think total, it's like a, a little over 11. And I think the toll component is like four or Point seven or something. Yeah, interesting. Okay. Okay. It's a direct line into Disney. So, so the sale point is, and actually, those tourists are paying for this. Well, it it honestly, it's probably more commuter because really? it is much easier. Um, you know, it's a direct line, and Disney was a partner when when the facility was built way back when. Um, and so the refinancing allowed us to resolve, um, uh, you know, the, the, the existing structure. So that was done as a part of it. Obviously, that's first and foremost for the bondholders. But it allowed us to take cash out um, 
to improve other roads that aren't told but feed in to the road. And that was the case we made um, from, a, from a bond you know, perspective was that each of the roads that we're improving are quote unquote feeder roads. And since it is primarily a commuter road and um, we know we have a tremendous amount of citizens that work at Disney in Osceola County, if we can get them to this road easier, then they have, this is a, you know, a, a, a you know, a, a better path for them to get to work. And so we were able to leverage an existing county asset. And um, I, I was actually just in a meeting a couple of minutes ago where the uh, they were briefing all of the construction, you know, of course this happened a couple of years ago. It's not quick to build roads. Yeah. We're actually now letting the construction contracts themselves on at least four of them over the next next month or so some are happening so, so back in the day when they would build a road a toll road like I, i'll give you an example west of um here in in franklin county uh, there was a bridge that was built over to saint george island and they put a toll on it and said this toll is to pay for the bridge mm-hmm. so the users would pay for the bridge and interestingly, by the way, I think the bid was originally built in 1965, and they promised when we pay off the bond that built the bridge, we'll get rid of the toll. And they did. And, it, you know, which is a rare move, right? And, and that's not a criticism. It's just like usually like, hey, things have changed. We can use this revenue. We can build another bridge. We can build a wider road. Um, but it used to be we're going to build the road. We're going to toll it. That's going to pay for the road. What you're saying is, you're taking the revenues generated from that to improve area-wide uh, transportation as well. That had a direct nexus to that facility. Okay, so you can't say you guys live on the east side. We're gonna we're gonna build a new bridge on the west side. We're not doing a road that's in the east end that has no connection into this facility. Okay. Uh, and so we we still you know we were able to show that the that like I said that direct nexus into the road itself, um, but you know we we take our responsibility seriously not just to the you know to the bondholders but also to the maintenance of the road, um, and just you know d- you know did a huge maintenance project um, to turn turn it into all to- uh, all electronic tolling, and really improving the facility in that way. So you know all of that is primary, and then this other opportunity to leverage that that facility and asset in a way that we really hadn't considered before um until you know it was like well gosh there's a lot of interest in this and and you know there must be you know some other opportunities and so it really you know allowed us to fast track these other five roads and their major improvements in a way that we wouldn't have been able to do just based on like you said gas taxes is dwindling you know it's it's at this point, we're using gas tax to do our maintenance, our road yeah, research. You can't build new roads with them. No. So when when was this toll road built? Um, when was the toll put on the road, should say? I want to say the 90s. I don't remember. Okay, so it was before your tenure. So I was going to ask, was there a public uh, pushback? But is there ever public pushback to, to get rid of the toll, to lower the toll? Uh, or is people like, hey, you know what? This is great because it's working and we're going to build these feeder roads. I think one of the things that is unique in the Central Florida area probably is just a general acceptance of tolls. Um, I don't, you know, 
even if you look at the express lanes on I-4, from what I've understood and, and you know, people, it's it's going very, very well because people are willing to do that in order to get where they need to go on a better road. The condition of the road is better. There's no stoplights, those types of things. Um, you look at, you know, going around Central Florida between 408, 528, 417, now I-4, our road, Osceola Parkway, Poinciana Parkway. I think there's just a general acceptance to... Um, if you want to get there fast and on the best quality roads, then you're going to pay a toll. I think that, you know, when you mentioned the, the, you know, the initial reluctance to toll, I've had conversations with, for example, my father who hates, and I'm like, I have zero problem personally paying a toll. If it means I'm going to be on a better quality road and get there faster and not be stuck in, you know, stop and go traffic for hours. Yeah. I think, I think the user experience is what makes people say, you know what, it was $2, but I'm going to take it because, you know, that's because, you know, back in this, when I grew up in the 70s, uh, the tolls were just, you know, mostly on bridges, and there was no positive user experience at all. And of course, now with electronic tolling, you just drive through and you get it on your Visa card, or your PayPal account or whatever that is. is, And you had to stop and you had to get change, you had to throw the thing and the guy handed you the ticket. A good guy in a really bad, ugly shirt. Remember <laughs> that was for a while, uh, and now it's it's you just fly through and you you get the bill. So it you know it it, it it can be there are some negative aspects of it, but it sounds like your community has accepted it. I mean, I think in general, if you look at our usage, it's 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 doing just fine. And you know, part like I said personally, uh, you know, I can say I you know I know I pay tolls every day to get to work. But I get here at the same amount of time as people that are driving maybe 20 miles. And, um, you know, they're they're not paying tolls, but they're, you know, but the, the congestion on the road. So, you know, there's always a trade-off too, you know. I may pay money in tolls, but am I paying money sitting in gas and stop and go traffic? So, you know, it's it's kind of that that either, or for me, I like to look at it as my own mental sanity. I'd rather, if I'm going to be on the road, I'd rather be moving. Um, so oh, yeah, Absolutely. People kind of feel that way. How'd you get into government? Um, Through affordable housing, believe it or not. Um, I was working for a lender, a for-profit lender doing uh, mortgages. And uh, one of the focuses we did a lot was for first-time homebuyers and um, worked a lot with the local municipality in their program, um, SHIP funding actually, SHIP and CDBG, and uh, they had an opportunity open. And so I, I thought, well, that looks interesting. And that was my first uh, my first job. And been never turned back. No, that's not true. I, um, I think if oh. you one of the one of the the things one of the questions was you know something strange about your career or odd mm. and I said that I'm I'm the poster child for why you don't burn a bridge when you leave um, and so I'd gone to this uh, municipality and um, got recruited by a, a nonprofit that I'd previously worked for they you know a different opportunity and they reached out and so I took that and then um, a couple of years later things changed at the municipality and they reached out with a different opportunity and so then I went back and then I didn't leave. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Yeah, I was, I was, uh, I had left the job and uh, went to work for a member of Congress and my prior employer called me and said, you know, we'd like you to come back. I'm like, no, I love this job. Money can't lure me away from this really good public service job. I was wrong. Uh, <laughs> um, I One of our traditional last questions, and uh, thank you so much, by the way, for doing this. We're running over time, I know, but Tell us something cool about uh, Osceola County 
that we may not know something that you know uh obviously doesn't involve uh theme parks or anything like that personally i think that it's been the 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 change in the county in the time that i've been here the 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 um, influx of residents that have moved in that are just changing the landscape. And I think Neo City is the the thing I'd want to focus on. You know, it's Osceola County, as you said, is known as tourism or agriculture, right? Yeah. And um, both of them are, are vulnerable to the changing climate and, um, you know, just the world's changing and tourism is up right now, but we've all been, you know, here at times when it wasn't. And so trying to have another uh, component or leg of our stool for um, for employment opportunities and the recognition by our board of county commissioners that, uh, you know, they kept hearing over and over again, you can live here, but you can't work here. You you have to travel for a job or if you're you go to college, maybe there's not an opportunity when you, you know, after you graduate to come back here. And Neo City was a, a dedicated focus to uh, actually semiconductor and chip manufacturing. And we are now a trusted foundry in the United States for the production of uh, uh, nanotechnology and chip manufacturing and hoping to develop that more and more and more. Um, Wow. And then that's what a great thing because you, you know, with the chip act that passed uh, that's both an acronym and, and obviously the word that billions upon billions of federal dollars are flowing in. So we don't have to be so dependent on foreign countries to make, our nanotechnology uh and but you guys are already positioned to to grow that business and it has been a testament to the fortuit you know like the the fortitude of our our leadership in both county administration and the board to stay the course because you know it's 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 hard to look at you know i don't know how familiar you are with with um medical city in or you know the southern part southeastern part of or you know orange county and now you know it took a while to get going but now you've got nemours and ucf and uf and all of these you know yeah. it's blowing up it's it's hard to get it started right you have a building but it doesn't mean they're you know just because you build it doesn't mean they're going to come and and so it's you know there's there's detractors for sure but they you know the belief they have in what we're doing and that, you know, it, it's, it's going to blow up and, and just be phenomenal, a, a real opportunity to change the landscape of our County and hopefully provide that path. For- no, you, what you have there is you have commitment, long-term commitment and infrastructure and willingness to bring that in because the, the example of the opposite was in Port St. Lucie when digital domain uh, the government got together, you know, the state wanted to, and they brought in this big technology company. Oh, this is going to be a great job generator. Well, it didn't work because there wasn't the educational infrastructure. There wasn't the housing infrastructure. You had this isolated building. Now it's a mega church. I mean, they, they abandoned, they left and went somewhere else. I don't even know if the company's in existence anymore. They made like three big movies and, but they didn't have the personnel. They didn't have the technology. And when you do something like that in the Orlando area, you have the infrastructure. You yeah. have the technology. Also, with the um, remember the uh, Jeb Bush's big you know uh, uh, biotech uh, uh, corridor. They did. We didn't. We didn't build the university. We didn't have the educational infrastructure. We didn't have all the supporting stuff, and it's barely hanging on. And it sounds like you guys are are have done it well. I know Medical City has done a really good job, um, and you guys sound like you're you're on the cusp of growing the chip manufacturing. 
We sure hope so. And, you know, and it's, it's, you hear all of these opportunities and you're going after them and you work so hard. And so many times over the last few years, I could see where it was like, okay, you know, let's just, we could probably sell this land to developers and, you know, it, walk away. But it's really been a focus on the vision and, um, and, you know, a willingness to, 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 to stay with it for the long term goal of really, like I said, it, it is, we want to be the place where you can live and work and play and you don't have to leave the county to do so if you want to stay here we want to be able to provide that opportunity so i think that that's uh, neo city is is probably the thing that you know maybe not everybody knows about but it really is that long term focus to to change the landscape of the county while still respecting our agricultural um roots and 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 you know the history that we still have and that we're still producing i think it's one of the largest calf uh, to cattle uh, industry still here in our county. So respecting that, and obviously tourism is still always going to be important to us. Right. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Making sure that we've got that third that third leg. That third leg, that's fantastic. Donna Renberg, uh, the count, deputy county manager, I don't know why I keep stressing on that. Donna Renberg is the deputy county manager of Osceola County. Uh, thank you, Donna, so much for being with us. Uh, folks, again, thank you so much for joining us. This is Steve Van Core. This is the FCC Made Podcast, a service produced by and for the Florida City and County Management Association. If you have a question you would like to submit for a future guest, uh, something you've been thinking about, something that's been on your mind, or a guest you'd like to recommend, send me an email at svancore at vancorejones.com or message FCCMA on Facebook. Thank you so much for being with us.